I'll press the record button. Okay. And uh, I guess we can start out with prayer with Pierre. Maybe you could pray. You like my shirt, bro? Uh, dude, I was, I was waiting for you to say, hey, guys, you guys have any questions? <laughs> <laughs> First one. That's why you got that shirt. <laughs> I'll be happy to pray. Thanks. Let's go to God. Uh, Father God, we just thank you so much for your love and your mercy for just everything about who you are, God. Uh, we are grateful um, for uh, you know, the opportunity to really be image bearers of, of you, Father. What a task. Uh, what, a, what a privilege, God. I pray for tonight to God as we, um, as, we, as we discover in your word, as we rediscover in your word, God, that our hearts can be open, that our, our minds and our hearts can rejoice in, in, how, in how amazing and glorious you are, God. I'll be with Jeff and whoever else is, 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 uh, is speaking or connecting, Father, but mostly I pray that our hearts are moved by your, by your word and your spirit. Uh, thank you so much for this church, this fellowship, and, um, and, and your spirit that we have. In Jesus' almighty name, amen. 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 So yeah, why don't you tell everybody why why you care about the, the shirt the shirt that I'm because wearing? Because you got it from my hometown. Oh yes, my homeland. Your home. I was about to say hometown, home, home country. <laughs> my man. It's not just fashionable. It's not just you know. It's not just your brand. No, no, no. it, yeah. And there we go. And Trinidad and Tobago. This and. Uh, <laughs> uh, so last week we kind of just jumped in at the beginning, right? You know, in the beginning, God, and uh, we just talked about how that one statement is a big time statement, you know. Right. Because, you know, atheists, there is no God, you know, agnostics. What can we really know? A real exi- So uh, in the beginning, God is a, is a really strong uh, marker in this world. It is a worldview. And uh, the awesome thing about Genesis is it really does a great job of helping us understand who this God is. And it gives us reasons. Right. Because obviously some might say the world just started when, you know, stuff just bam and boom. And then here we are with morality and ethics and depth and all that right and that's how i mean i'm not trying to belittle but let's be honest like that is a worldview too (coughs) that justice and kindness and mercy and love came out of absolutely nothing i mean that's a worldview so i appreciate like rc sproul he was like he's like man that's more miraculous to believe that than to believe what god has done right you know and i think sometimes we, we we retreat sometimes a little too much with the worldview in the beginning, God, you know, and uh, that's how we, and he and, and Genesis even gives us kind of answers that just, uh, you know, scientific theories and those types of things, while quote unquote true and can reveal how things work or whatever. It can't tell you why you're here. It can't tell you the reasons why. And not only that, the heart of the one who created. It's not just there's a creator God. No, let's go. Let's figure out who is this guy? What is he like? How does he deal with us? What does he expect of us? You know, these are great questions. And these are the things that myths, one kind of definition of myth, right? It's not just that, oh, a fanciful story, but kind of giving you, giving you knowledge about things that are phenomena that you can't just explain scientifically, right? With uh, empirical data. Um, we talked about how like, you know, and, 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 and we talked about, how, I know a lot of people listen to Baymont, a lot of people, the Bible Project, and I encourage you. Do it. There's a lot of material. Go for it. I'm not a rabbinical scholar. That's not my hermeneutical lens, but I respect it and I appreciate it. Listen all you want. Go for it. Get as much material as you can. Immerse yourself in the Genesis. I'm all for it. But I'm one man. I can't give every single perspective. I'm not claiming to have all the perspectives. And if mm-hmm. probably if somebody told you they did, I don't know if you should believe them either. <laughs> um, but just the cool thing about how Genesis is written, you can learn a lot, a lot about the 
the artistry of it all, the Hebrew language, uh, the chiasms, all those things we talked about last week. You can dive deep. There's cool stuff. Go for it. Uh, but we did talk about kind of a culmination, you know, of the creation story that we read in Genesis 1, man. Just, wow, God made man in, in his image, in, in, in his likeness, and just humanity and the culmination of all that and how powerful how powerful it is. Today we're going to look at Genesis 2, maybe even 3 a little bit. We'll see. I don't know. In a couple weeks, Mick's going to teach. Uh, I'm fired up about that. And uh, Mick is actually currently going to seminary as well. So it's in, it's in, we, I'm inspired by him. So it's, it's, it's cool stuff. We're trying to grow. Um, tonight, we're going to look at, uh, yeah, we're going to look at Genesis 2. And I think there's a chance that you might, something might sound different, right? Uh, let's see what happens. Let's, let's start, pick it up here in, in verse 4, kind of 4b. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for, the, for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Any difference you f- feel from this in chapter 1? I don't know. Does it feel different to you? Right? It's a, lot, it's a different flow. And, and I wanted to introduce that. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but I think you should read Genesis 1. It feels different. It's a different flow. There's even a little bit of different order of stuff. And so the temptation is, oh my gosh, there's a discrepancy of the Bible. My faith is done. I can't believe the Bible anymore. Why are there two accounts of the... Okay. That's a great question. And it's one that you should, I think, wrestle with and have... Have a great time with, honestly, because here's the reality. The Jews have used these passages for millennia. And they hold these two creation stories in tension with each other, and they are just fine with it. And I think we got to learn how to do that, too. There are some nuances and some differences in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. And our Western thinking, <laughs> right, post-enlightenment, all this stuff, we just... We just struggle to have a category for that. And we immediately scream, oh, well, one's got to be right, one's got to be wrong, or I can't believe both. All I'm telling you is hold both of these accounts in tension and let them both exist and see what they teach you and see what you can learn about who this God is and why you're here. And don't let maybe something that's different here make you think, oh, man, I can't trust the Bible. Ask yourself, why do you require so much certainty and the certainty that you think you need? Maybe you don't. Right. These are ancient texts and they can teach us a lot, but they're not going to be written like your textbook for algebra, you know, or a history book on the World War Two. All right. It's not that's not the point. Okay. so hold Genesis one and two. Let them let them both exist in tension and see what you can learn from about who God is. Um. Here's another thing. In Genesis 2, 
what is what is God refer? Who is how is He referred to over and over again in the part that we just read? What 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 is the what does it say? Genesis one one. It doesn't say Lord God. Okay, again, you might go. That's no big deal. Well, it's <laughs> you should allow these things to just marinate. In the beginning, God Elohim. That's that's the word that's used for God there. Okay, here in the beginning, you know, here when it talks about Lord God. You still have the Elohim, but then you've included this Yahweh word. And, and so they're, they're kind of combined. So you've got this Elohim, kind of this word kind of for the expression of, of just God. It could be used in other religions too. Um, and Yahweh, but Yahweh designates him in a different way, as if he's a covenant community God. And so you've got this cosmos creating God. But this Yahweh term is introduced now in Genesis 2 that wasn't in Genesis 1. All right. And so I think that's worthy of your study and worthy of your exploration. You know, what is it? You're learning more about God even in his name, this Yahweh. And it, and it really comes into play when you're dealing with Abraham and making covenants. And whoo, that's this Yahweh God. And if you really want to go deep, do a deep dive, you can study out how they feel like that the book of Genesis was kind of patched together by various people over time. And the one that talked about Elohim had a, had a certain approach to the scriptures. And the one that uses Yahweh has a different approach. Again, great stuff to study. Love it. There you go. I'm just trying to give you your money's worth tonight. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> so the, what's unique about Yahweh and this Elohim Perhaps it's the combination of those two concepts that helps us realize that this particular God, yes, he's the creator of the cosmos, but he also decides to rule through humanity, which again is in deep distinction to the ancient Near East myths that were out there trying to explain the world. <laughs> Oftentimes the people were a nuisance or this or that. Not here. This God wants to have a relational connection. Elohim, Yahweh, right? Different God. And then it talks about him, uh, you know, creating a garden for the man, a garden, an enclosed, kind of fenced off, kind of protected place. That's really what the word really means. Um, and it kind of represents, if you think about it, like a territorial space, kind of where God uh, invites his humans to enjoy bliss and, and harmony. Shalom, whatever word you want to call it. Uh, connection with him. That's what is, this garden is. It's a fenced off, closed off space where God and, and his presence is kind of uniquely there in this, this garden place. Right. Um, and, and the people not only have this relationship with him, but they, they, they have it with each other. They have it with the land, with the animal. Wow. Beautiful. Some people say this is like the temple. Right. It's like a temple uh, imagery. And uh, <clears throat> so I mean, something to think about, too. Let's keep reading because we, we start talking about this stuff about, uh, you know, uh, the knowledge of good and evil. We got to figure out what, what's going on there. Right. In verse 15, the, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Obviously, a million and one probably interpretations of this one that has resonated with me is that good and evil can really mean kind of all moral knowledge. I think that, you know, I, I, that makes sense to me. 
uh, or the capacity even to create a system of ethics and make moral judgments. Maybe that's what the tree of good and evil can represent, right? Kind of the ability to create a system of ethics, moral knowledge, kind of an encompassing term for all moral, moral knowledge. And really, it represents the ability to discern what is good or evil, right? Good, that which advances life, life the way God has created it. What did God create in Genesis 1? And what was the word repeated over and over again? Good. Good, 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 good. That's what God, good. And here we are in this enclosed off space. And, and the people have a right relationship with him, right relationship with the other, the land, the animals, everything. It's good. It's good. It's good. Then the knowledge of good and evil you don't need to, you're not, that's not your role, right? Stay in your lane. Because unless we know everything, we only know relatively. And unless we know comprehensively, we, we cannot know absolutely. Do you know what I'm saying? We don't know everything. You and I don't know. We don't have all the angles to every single thing. Therefore, the only one that does is this Elohim, Yahweh. He does know all angles, every single thing. And therefore, he is the one who truly has the ability to discern what is good or evil. He created it. He knows. You and I don't. And I think that tree represents that knowledge and power that's really only appropriate for God. And humans, you know what we need to depend on? We need to depend on revelation from God to understand what is good. That's our right place. That, that, that's our right place. That's good. That's where, that's where the world is working good. You know, Whichever creation account you figure out, they're both saying similar things. Like God has figured it out. It's good. And we don't really have that. We shouldn't have that ability to figure it out. So, but, but what is our temptation? Our temptation is I want it for myself. I want to be able to decide for myself. God didn't want to pass on the role of judging good and evil to mankind. That's not why he made them. We were just to do good, enjoy others being good to us without even knowing it was good. That's really the way God made it. Right? And never really having to wonder, am I good enough? It was never really God's intention for you to ever think that thought. Because you're created by God. It's good, right? And I love how the Bible says that, you know, he, he took the man, put him in the garden to till it and to keep it. Work is a gift from God, not a punishment. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Work is good. Work is good. At this point of the story, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right now, yeah. You know what I mean? We're yeah, still in the garden right now, right. man. Don't get ahead of yourself, right? right? We're still in the garden. It's good. But I think that's that's a that's a theology, uh, in, in, a teaching in and of itself. That work is a gift of God, not a punishment. And this whole thing about you know if you if you do partake of that tree, you know you shall. Surely die, and you can go all over the place with this. Is it physical death? Is it spiritual death? Sure, make the argument. You can make the argument all over the place, right? I think spiritual death, sure, because we already know what happens. You know, when they eat, what happens to their relationship with each other, with God? It's damaged. I mean, it's, it's messed up. But what about physical death? Well, they don't eat and just immediately die. You already know the story. 
But is it is death entered into the equation now? Maybe, yeah. But even that, here's the wild thing. If you, if you look at it, if you even look at it kind of in a crazy way, even introducing death, it really is a opening to the possibility of living a life with God free from sin and death. So even God can, has the ability to take what man has done, jacking it up to create, even physical death has to come into the world, but man, it still can't, it doesn't have to have the last say. And in fact, Genesis helps you to understand the foundation, but the New Testament elaborates on that, where there is, a, there is the ability even after death to experience life that is good with God apart from sin and death. So, something to think about, too. <clears throat> so, you know, we were, we were just, you know, meant to trust that God made the rules and that we needed to live in, in his reality. And uh, life is meant to be lived, really, in submission to God and trust, you know. If not, we'll have no life at all. And almost in some respects, the, the way the story of Genesis throughout the whole 50 chapters, and, and, and dare I say the whole Bible on some level, you know, life really and submission to God are so oftentimes the same thing. <laughs> That's how you truly experience the life God wants for you is to, to really receive your role and to be grateful for it. You know, and uh, God's the source. Genesis one or Genesis two. God's the source. God's the provider, no matter how you read it. And what's our role? Depend on the source. Depend on the source. God originated life. We were given life. God provided. We received. God gave the garden. We That's tended right. and eat from That's it. Right. He provides. We depend and we trust. Independence from God was never part of the original good plan. God existed without us, not vice versa. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And God's trying to keep us not only you know, just he's trying to help us be de de dependent. Yes, but he wants to keep us from self-sufficiency. That's right. That thing that, that thing that just kills us. We think we can do it apart from him. And you tell me that's not the story of humankind. I mean, God, you know, God was meant to be the judge of life. We were meant to experience life. Man, it could have been good. Right. Verse 18, God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Crazy thought because God was with man. Crazy. Interesting thought. Mm. God is all I need. God. Well, it's an interesting moment here where God uh, makes him a helper as his partner. You know, uh, and then, of course, if you go in the original language, you got the word. For man is ish, man, the word for woman is isha. Uh, yes, man was created right first, but just because a woman was created second does not mean that she that the language does not imply inferiority or superiority anywhere in this language. Just so you know, uh, the word for helper, ezer, that's used 16, 19 times in the Old Testament. Sixteen times it uses it's referred to God. So you got that. You know, this is a good word. You know, it's, it refers to God the, the overwhelming majority of time. Uh, 
in the Old Testament. This word <laughs> used to describe the woman is used to describe God. You know, uh, so that means that he, you know, it, it, if anything, this is highlighting the, the essential contribution and significance of the woman. <laughs> if anything, that's what this word is doing. <laughs> because, it's, again, it's the word used to describe God most of the time. Uh, so we got to be careful about how we try to import Western right. thoughts into a passage that, wa that, that wasn't, the, wasn't the language they were trying to use. Uh, the word that's translated suitable, what's the definition for that? Equal and adequate. That's what, the, that's what the word means. I'm just trying to tell you what it means. Because um, that's what makes sense when you read Genesis 1 and 2. They're equally bearers of God's image. I mean, the woman's there to help Adam to not be an idiot, really. You know, he, if, if, if everything's working good, they can keep each other good in, in the good place. Self-sufficiently, too, too much of a temptation for Adam on his own, right? Um, and so I think there's a lot there, you know, to, to, to be... This, and, the, and the fact of ancient Near Eastern, you know, <laughs> literature, man, the women had just a totally different animal. It's just like, wow, you got to appreciate what, what God is doing here. It's, it's intensely amazing. Um, I'll stop here to, to take any questions. That's probably a lot. I don't know. Any, if I've confused you or upset you or whatever, let me know. Yes. I don't have a question. Yeah. Uh -huh. I thought that was interesting um, in that to make him, you know, some, make him someone who was like him, right? He wasn't like a tiger. He wasn't like a very, wasn't right. like God. But, that, but, but God wanted him to have someone who was, who was comparable, who was like him. So I thought that, that was interesting. Yeah, and, and does that like, does it, does it say something to you or speak to you in a certain way? I, I mean, I'm just curious. I'm not really sure. Uh -huh. Yeah. So I find that interesting. Yeah. Beyond that, not really. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, you know, I love that about God. I mean, again, I think this helps us even learn about the type of God that we're dealing with, with this Elohim Yahweh. What, what kind of God is this? Wow, to care enough to give them, this man a comparable, suitable, adequate, you know, helper and, and um, to help him in his life. And uh, I think it's some, yeah, sorry, yeah. Oh, no, I just, what I find is, it's not good, like where God is like, okay, this isn't good, that man is alone, and the word alone. But also, and this is maybe a rhetorical question, why does Eve get the, the shade? Like it was her that caused all of the downfall, when God is the one who told Adam, like, no, you don't eat the fruit. Mm -hmm. So if Adam were doing his job, Eve wouldn't have been near that tree, is my thought. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why she gets so much shade. Like, it was all her fault that we're in this predicament now that we're in. Um, right. Like, dude, listen to God and talk to your, your woman that's here. <laughs> but anyway, these are, these are the thoughts that go into my head. And then the death that enters in after that fall is, you know, they have to kill the animals to make skins that are, help, you know, so they can go out. So the death kind of happens pretty mm -hmm. quickly mm -hmm. afterwards. Yeah. yeah, 
And then, yeah. I, I think, I don't know if it's a rhetorical question, but I think it's a, it's a great question to ponder and, and think about. And, and, I, and, and again, I, I'm not sure there's one answer to that. Um, but I do think you start getting some interesting language, you know, after all this is said and done, when the cursing starts happening and all that, you know, about uh, the relationship between men and women and just there's a lot that starts going on that you go, well, why is that? You know, is, is it is an, an issue of sinful <laughs> patriarchy or uh, that just perpetuated? Has the church been complicit? Has I mean, you could just do all kind of study on that, and I'm sure there's a lot of different angles. I'm not going to profess to know the full reason, um, but I don't think it's crazy to think that <coughs> in recorded history, oftentimes women have been uh, placed in a less, uh, in society, uh, have a lesser status a lot of times. You, I can't, I'm, 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 I just can't answer that. Why? That's a big question. <laughs> That's a big question, you know. Um, but I think, I think it's worthy to ask these questions of the text because they can handle it, you know, and God can handle it. So, yeah. Kind of along the lines of uh, Michelle's question um, a little bit, what, like, do you have any thoughts on why God even, like, have a commandment here in the first place? Like, is that a something like you go to heaven and be like, God, why do you have a commandment here? You know, or is there something about God's character that him giving this commandment shows? I don't want to... I'm not going to say this is the only answer, sure. but I just think that this whole first couple chapters is what are we seeing from God? We're, I mean, he's doing some crazy cosmic uh, epic stuff, separating stuff, firmaments, stars, the moon. The, I mean, you know, and, and it's good. It's so good. And so I think our place as people is to trust, trust that it's good. And so if he's saying, don't do this. Our, our our posture should be one of, hey, yep, yep. If you could do all this, then then I should not even be. You know, I need to just listen to what you're saying. That and I think and I think that's kind of what the story is getting at. Is like why why can't we be that way? Why can't we just accept that it's his creation? He's the provider. He was here before we were. He's making stuff amazing. You, you have great relations with each other, the animals, the land. It's producing what you... So all you need to do is just don't go over there. It's, our overwhelming response ought to be, amen. That's right. This, then this is what we should think is, he's created all this. Say the word. Good. Good. Yeah. That command is for our... Good. That's what we're supposed to think. And so what is going to interrupt? Something's going to have to insert itself. To get us to doubt the good that has been all over these first two chapters. What is going to do? What You know, it's like, because it's, the story is just set up that God is the producer of good. And we just keep messing it up. Yeah. I'm just curious, um, like, if this is the way that the, Yeah, and again, I think some of that, some some arguments are going to be, uh, that is absolutely uh, the way it should be for forever and forever, amen. 
And some people are going to say that God's revelation has always been progressive. Paul was dealing with it. Paul's letters are occasional. He's always dealing with some situation. Paul had a time period in history, in the time of the Christian church, under the Roman Empire, et cetera, et cetera. He's trying to make sure that the church doesn't get annihilated. If we start just saying women can do whatever, the church will get blasted out and there's no church for the rest of Some people argue that, that let him have his time, but that wasn't where God is trying to do for all time. That was an interpretation for a time. Some people argue that. Where do I land? I don't know. I'm still learning. And I have every right to say I'm trying to figure it out myself. And I'm not going to sit here and say I have every single idea figured out, right? Um, but I think there's two sides, and, and I see the I see mer- I see swayable arguments on the, on both sides, right? You know, um, and so I don't I don't have the I don't know, I don't have the total complete answer, and I guarantee you, people with lots of degrees study the language, they'll they will read the same text and come out on different ends, and so at some point you got the <laughs> you gotta figure out where where you stand on it, yeah. <clears throat> I have a question and a half. Question and a half. Oh my gosh. So the first one, because it just is kind of an earwig in my thoughts now. So that idea possibly that death was a gift or an opportunity given, you know, if the world is going to go sideways, that the idea that death could be a gift so that you're not perpetually living in this place of curse. Yeah. That is a thought. That you were kind of proposing? That's a that's just a thought, man. I, I it's something to think about. I'm not trying to say that God, you know, wanted to give a gift and it was death. I don't know if I'm saying that. Sure. I'm just saying that. Wow, look 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 at what happened, and and it's still there's still God could still redeem even all of that. Sure. And maybe I think that's kind of the story of of the Bible in a lot of ways too. But I'm not. I don't want to misstate something sure. either. I, I, okay. I, I, okay. I, yeah. Yeah. He can make good out of all things. I just never thought of that as like a... Yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy named Bruce Waltke introduced me to that thought, and I had never thought of it before, but okay. wasn't my own thought. But. The other actual yeah. question is, what's up with verses 10 through 16 and our little, like, sideways <coughs> about rivers? Yeah, I know. And uh, <laughs> I know. rocks, and it's kind of a... Do we yeah. No, well, I mean, like, like for instance, if you listen to Bayma, they'll say they feel like it's like an inner, just yeah. They, where did that come from, right? Yep. You know, and 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 it could be something like that, or they're trying to give you, they're trying to give you placement. You know, like like real. In other words, you know, once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away, where is that? I don't know. I don't know. But when you start talking about the Euphrates. You know, I mean, oh, okay, we can get on a plane and go there right now. So on some level, maybe there's this anchoring in reality. But why is it right there? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, There you go. (laughs) Yeah. I appreciate the honesty. I'm probably not going to know most answers to the question, but I think that's the beauty of the Bible is even meant to be read this way to talk about it. Yeah, Mike, sorry. Yeah, no, no problem. I think um, interesting <coughs> questions being raised in terms of, you know, why God addressed Eve in that very specific way. And I'm thinking a lot about, you know, my sister and I, as we were growing up, <coughs> Excuse me. We, we had some boundaries for us. It was when we were really young, the boundary was you can't go outside the yard, don't open the, the, the fence. Mm-hmm. 
as we got older, it was don't go by uh, Mr. Shepherd's house, which is halfway down the block, right? There were some really clear boundaries. Mm -hmm. And if my sister stepped out, disobeyed, my father was gonna come to her and he was gonna hold her accountable. And I was there too, <laughs> but he told both of us. And in this instance, he caught her doing wrong. And so as a dad, I could now see, I'd have every right to go to my daughter and go, hey, I wanna talk to you about disobeying um, the commands that I've given me. And I don't necessarily need to go into an explanation, but I might go, you can get snapped up. Mm -hmm. Right, and I want to keep you safe, or you kind of got hit by a car, or there might be a whole host of reasons. But I don't think, I don't know. Sometimes when I look at this passage, like I want to be careful to not just view it from, you know, why this one versus that one. I think sometimes it's like look at it from the perspective as a parent, because I, mm -hmm. I, you know, I have a very different lens now as a parent. Oh. It's like, man, I want to help you to be safe, and mm -hmm. I see things that you see just yet yeah you know and prayfully five years from now you'll mature and see all these things but right yeah. now you don't have capacity so i just wanted to offer yeah. that as a, um, a possible way to, to look at it sure yeah that's good but eve Amen. wasn't even created yeah <clears throat> i'm sorry i said but eve wasn't even created yet like god hadn't made her yet like, you mean you mean at the moment when the command is given right. in Genesis two is what you're saying? Right. Okay. So I mean, which I appreciate and, and that helps me with the okay, as a parent, yes, you you know, we we've given these but I'm like she wasn't even there. And so as I'm as I read it's like, oh, okay, Adam must have somehow the man must have somehow communicated did he fully communicate? Did God communicate at a different time that wasn't in the scripture that, that we see that, oh yeah, I had told him, but now let me tell you, don't do that. And, and there was a willful, dis willful disobedience or was there just a, man, you don't know what you're talking about. That's some good fruit. I'm gonna go ahead and eat it. Cause the serpent told me it was fine. I, that, these are the things that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and oftentimes a lot of these these accounts they, they they have what you know some they technically can be called gaps. I mean, there could have been a yes. could have been told to her. We don't know for sure. Once again, like going back to the, <laughs> we don't know fully every 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 single thing. God does. He's way more fair, gracious, and just than any of us ever will be. And so when he makes his choices, we got to again live in dependence upon his choices that he has made wise choices. Now, whether we understand them fully or all the reasons is not always clear at the time, but sometimes over time they can be, but you know. So, but yeah, this is, I love it, love it, this is good. We're gonna keep on moving. All right, we're almost done. All right, so, so yeah, so we were talking about, yeah, you know, the good stuff, and then we get to, uh, you know, chapter three, and we get to the serpent. Um, I'll just say a few things about this because, I, again, I think the context what we were just talking about, you know, the serpent, serpent was more crafty um, than any other wild animal the Lord had made. <laughs> and he said to the woman, you shall not eat from any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it or you shall die serpent said to the woman you you will not die for for god knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be open and you will be like god knowing good and evil 
So when the woman saw that the tree was what? Hold up. That word is not... Wait, hold up. (laughs) Right? Again, I think the writer of Genesis, he wants you to remember that word in this moment. Who's choosing what's good for herself? Who's doing the choosing? It's Eve. Mm. Wait, is she doing a choosing or is she recognizing? But but she's about to choose because she's going to take it. That's the po- He's trying to give you the justification for her, her, her actions. So she, uh, you know, cause, because look what she does. She saw the tree was good for food. It was a delight to the eyes. The tree was desired to make one wise. She took his fruit and ate. <laughs> you know, she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. So when the word good got into the mouth of the serpent, it's not good. And then good, good starts getting all jacked up weird. And now all of a sudden, what was supposed to be good leads to something that is not good. Right. You know, and so uh, that's one of the things that I think, man, you just and we already know. I mean, we've read the story so many times and sometimes we we kind of just gloss over it. But. There's, there's an element in this world, and you go, well, where does the serpent come from? Did God create Eve and all that? It's, it's a gap. There's no, you don't get the answer, right? It's like Melchizedek sometimes. You read, like, where did he come from? Like, what, what, what? And all of a sudden, there's wine and bread and what, what? You know, where does the serpent come from? What? You don't have the answer. So it's a gap. So you have to learn how to live without all the certainty that you think you're supposed to have and our arrogance sometimes, you know. <clears throat> but the serpent, man, he's smooth, man. He maneuvers Eve into what <laughs> may appear like a sincere theological discussion, you know. <laughs> but, you know, he subverts obedience. And he distorts perspective. How does he do it? Well, he emphasizes God's prohibition, not his provision. You get it? You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> he reduces God's command to what? A question. It's just, it's, I mean, you got to hand it to, he's, he cast, even he's able to cast doubt on God's sincerity and even questioning his motives. This God that we've been introduced to and all the good, the good, the good. And, and somehow he, servants able to get in there, even denies the truthfulness of God's threat. I mean, God, you know, you will die. You know. Because it works. <laughs> I mean, it works because, you know, Eve, she starts disparaging her privilege. You start, you listen to her answer and it's almost like she's not, it's, she's not fired up about all the things that God has given her and this incredible environment that's closed and fenced off and harmony and shalom and all that stuff. You listen to her, it's like she's living in the projects. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then she even adds to the prohibitions. They can't even touch it. You know what I mean? She's like, where'd that happen? I mean, again, like what, where? Wow. Wow. And minimizes the threat, you know, and just sees it. Ah, oh, you know, it's good. I'm going to just take it, you know. So what, what is the serpent really doing? I think he's reversing the, reversing the order God has already instituted. And he tries to convince Eve and really Adam that they would do well by rebelling against God and disobeying him. <laughs> like that's the real true way to be good. Live apart from God. Take control of your own life. Have it your way. 
Satan wanted them to feel they could, well, we don't know. We can't say for sure. It's Satan for sure. Most people think it is. Some people say, well, it says serpent. Some people say it is thus the adversary. Whatever you want to say, I believe you got to study it for yourself. But that serpent wanted them to believe they could be them to themselves what God wanted to be for them. We can do it on our own. We don't need God. And that, my friends, is the world we live in today. And we think that we're so advanced. And we're really not. <laughs> this has been a temptation for a long time. <clears throat> so because of their decision, they did not become more like God. Oh, God knows you'll be more like God. Instead, in trying to become more like God, they became less of themselves. They became less than what God created them to be. Mm. Instead of being dependent on the source, they became independent of the source. So much in there. I'm not going to keep, keep going, but I'm just trying to help you to see that God is offering so much good. And uh, our role is just to depend on him and not depend on ourselves or exist unto ourselves. You know, you know, I think people, we desire to have control, but now we end up trying to control others, control the world. And then we lose control of ourselves. And I think that's the world we live in in a lot of ways. And just so you know, as all the world is staring at what's happening, more and more people are leaving the Christian faith, the Judeo-Christian faith. So more this country, they say by 2070, it'll be like less than 35% Christian people. So who you want to be? Do you want to live in dependence and trust on the, this guy, Elohim Yahweh, knows how to create knows how to help you live lives with prohibitions in it and boundaries and for you to trust that if you can follow the way he claims that we should live, that there's true life. Not free from problems. No, not, not free from tragedy. No. But that trust and dependence that even if you were to lose this earthly life, that he still has something on the other side for you, free from the craziness of this world. It's your choice. It's your choice. And I'm telling you, every day you walk outside your door, you are not getting reinforced this message that God is good. And so that's why it's important to show up to times like this to just to listen and be reminded of what our worldview is all about and the relationship that we can have with this covenant keeping God. That's so amazing. And uh, so in a couple, well, yeah, that's what I got tonight. And um, I think Brother Alex is going to sh- do something here for us. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, man. Appreciate that. Tons and tons to think on. I'm not going to do our normal things where I give you a whole second sermon. Um, but I do appreciate personally how you helped me to really reevaluate where I'm depending on God and uh, where I'm reducing his commands to questions. Those are two things that just stuck out to me. Um, Thank you all for coming tonight. Coming on the middle of a week, it's a lot. I appreciate you being here. I would love if we can spend a moment, there's anything that you took to be able to discuss that, but maybe in some smaller group settings. 
So if you uh, coming out for first time tonight or you just kind of hanging out uh, with us for a little while, you know that we're trying to reorganize uh, in some different ways. So we're kind of getting our groups kind of groups kind of readjusted. So we'd like to be able to have people kind of group up in those new family groups or those new small groups to the best of their knowledge and understanding and maybe discuss some of the things that they were thinking about from tonight and start to build that vibe and that camaraderie. If by chance you're like, I have no idea what that means, Alex. I don't know where to go. I don't know what this new family group is. Meet me over here for like 10 minutes. We'll make a a, a choice. But if not, choice, you're making a choice. But if not, you know, by all means, let's try to take the next bit of time that you have left to spend just to chat. I know everybody can't stay long, so I'm not asking that. But sometimes it's just good to put like faces together be like oh maybe i can you know build with this person and then be able to discuss these deep things amen i'm gonna pray for like 15 seconds and then we're gonna go amen let's pray gracious god we thank you so much that you give us opportunities to to choose you um that you give us grace and that you've given us this opportunity to learn about you god i pray that you help us to use it and grow in it we love you amen Amen. Amen. So if you can divide up by those new family groups to the best of your knowledge, y'all are adults. You can spread out. Figure that one out.